0: So it's really important for us to know what triggers money stresses in our partners so we can make proactive choices to minimize those as much as possible.
1: Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen.
2: This episode is sponsored by Balance Wealth, an advisory firm that views you as more than a number. We know you deserve to partner with a team of professionals who care about you and your goals and empower you to make educated decisions about retirement. Your success is our success. And at Balanced Wealth, we will be with you every step of the way. To learn more, visit balancewealth.com. Today, we have a special episode. Uh, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. And today, I wanted to dedicate this Breaking Money Silence podcast to honoring the relationships that are important to us. And so that's what Valentine's Day is about. It's about taking time to attend to our relationships and showing our love through actions. I know some of you out there are rolling your eyes saying it's really just a hallmark holiday. Which i understand that but in essence it's about that and so one of the relationships that we have whether we acknowledge it or not is our relationship with money it's also one of the relationships that often gets the least time and attention despite it being something that's in our lives every day so because this particular podcast is being published on valentine's day i decided to dedicate this episode to the love of money and asking you as the listener to think about asking money to be your Valentine. So joining me today to help us look at our relationship with money is a colleague of mine, Jamie Fleming. She is somebody that I met at a client psychology course at Wharton. I believe it was the executive uh, training program and we hit it off. So let me tell you a little bit about Jamie and then we'll have her join the conversation. Jamie is a certified financial planner, CEO, business owner, mother, author and professional speaker. Now you know why I like Jamie. She does a bunch of different things like I do. She has over 30 years of experience in financial planning and wealth management industry and mostly she has focused her expertise on empowering women entrepreneurs and professionals in their journeys. Now, there's a lot more to say about Jamie, but let's just have her join the podcast and let's get the conversation started. Welcome. Thank you for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much, Kathleen. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm excited to have this uh, podcast on this really important topic.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting because one of the things that I find when I am thinking about money psychology and our relationships with money is that You know, we often don't even know we have a relationship with money. And could you imagine, could you actually imagine if you were with your partner, whether it's a husband, a committed relationship, whatever it might be, and you went on a first date with that person, and then you never spoke with them again. And that's what I imagine it is with money, because many of us are introduced to money, so that's our first date. And then we never really talk to it, develop a relationship, think about how we feel about it. We just kind of go on in life somewhat unconsciously. Now, part of that has to do with the fact that we live in a society where there's a strong taboo against talking about money. But I know you and I agree that we don't take enough time to understand it and communicate about it effectively. And so today, in asking money to be our valentine, I'm hoping you'll um, help us do that. So, Jamie, why do you think so many people avoid learning or understanding about money or spending time on their relationship with it?
0: It's so interesting, isn't it? It's interesting to realize that dealing with something
2: every single day
0: wouldn't inherently make us better at it, right? We get lots of practice dealing with money. Most of us deal with money every single day in some capacity. Uh, But when you're using the same tools over and over, then improvement with our money and our relationship with money, it's hard to have a good relationship if we're not adding to our knowledge, right? And so improvement becomes difficult to achieve and sustain. And this causes a great deal of stress for most people in this area of money. Uh, But I do believe much of this stems from generation after generation telling us that talking about money is unacceptable. And as you said, even taboo. And even today, we may not say those exact words anymore, but I think this uh, feeling of talking about money being unacceptable is so ingrained in our upbringing for most of us that we carry that into adulthood thinking we obviously should be able to uh, care for and deal with money at a higher level And when we can't, we simply get stuck. And then the feelings of shame kick in when our money issues continue to grow. And then asking for help, that ends up feeling like this really monumental task.
2: Well, and I think that has to do with the shame, right? So if you feel like you're not good at money or you're bad or something's wrong with you that you don't get it uh, or manage it the way you think you should, that that shame makes it really hard to turn to somebody, a friend, a a coach, a coworker, an educator to say, hey, I don't really understand what's going on. So I think that is the bind that we're in. And with the newer generations, so say millennials, Gen Zs, I feel like it's shifting a little bit, but I also feel as if I don't see us talking enough about our relationship, about our emotions about money. It may be that we're doing a little bit more around personal finance, but I think there's room for growth. What do you think?
0: I completely agree. And, and I think sometimes we, as a, as a culture, we separate money from feelings and people say, don't be emotional about your money decisions. But the reality is it's our life and what we're trying to achieve. And let's face it, we're going to be dealing with money for our entire life. So if we don't start having some conversations about it, it's not going to get easier. And it's all related. Really, money is a tool for us to achieve the things that are really important to us. So if we're not having a conversation about it, then there's usually a disconnect between money and the goals that we want to set for ourselves.
2: Yeah. So we agree that it's it's a problem. I think most of our listeners know for most of us, there's little pockets of money silence, even if we're good at talking about one aspect of money of finance. Maybe we're not great at talking about another one. You know, I do a lot of work now around the psychology of negotiation and asking for what you're worth, which seems to be, you know, a, certainly an awkward conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I would love to dive into the taboo. Um, but what I want to do for the rest of this podcast is really talk about how can we fall in the love with our money. And even saying that, given the way I was raised, it was like, ooh, you're not supposed to fall in love with your money. That would make you greedy. That would make you you know, not a good person. But I'm going to ask it again, because I want to know, and I'm sure our listeners do, Jamie, how do we fall in love with money? And how do we have a healthy relationship with it?
0: Yes, that's such a great question. And people get really uncomfortable with it, which is, in my opinion, here's what I always tell my clients. The thing you're most uncomfortable with, that's the thing you need to focus on. So if the idea of falling in love with your money makes you really uncomfortable, probably some areas to deal with. So what I will say is this, and hopefully we do this in our relationships with our significant others, with our children, with our friends. First and foremost, we have to forgive ourselves for past money mistakes. So... I refer to past money mistakes as tuition. And the key here I believe is really how do we recover from our mistakes and more importantly, not repeat them. So this does require you to spend some time learning about what's important to you about money and spending a little time getting comfortable with making small changes about your attitude with money your comfort level of talking with money, and certainly your knowledge about money. And really what I've seen most effective is that these small but consistent steps will inevitably increase your money confidence, and in turn your money success. And these are really key factors. People get overwhelmed thinking that money is a sprint when really it's a marathon. So you don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to understand it all at once. And here's the really beautiful thing. I actually had a mentor early on that taught me the reason to be more successful and create more wealth for myself personally was so that I could do more good in the world. So really, it was easier for me to fall in love with money and have a healthier relationship with money when I came from that premise. Does that make sense?
2: It does. There's a couple of things to unpack there. One is you used the word tuition. Can you say a little bit more about how it's tuition, your money mistakes?
0: Yes, definitely. So I think we could all agree that we've made some poor money choices that have cost us in a way, like financially cost us money. And we think to ourselves, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But when we look at the tuition, if we reframe, the way that we look at our money mistakes and look at it at our tuition is like going to college. We paid money to learn certain things, right? And then utilize those certain things going forward in our life. If we can look at our money mistakes as really, okay, that was a tuition I paid and a lesson learned. And then hopefully you can use that in a more positive way going forward.
2: I love that because that's the second question I was going to ask you is the reframing of looking at um, falling in love with money or being more financially successful and reframing that if indeed you grew up, which many of us did, whether it was your family or whether it was the culture or both, with the message that somehow, you know, being in love with money or really focusing on your finance somehow wasn't um, desirable and, you know, you and I are both... Uh, identify as women. And so that's like an added layer of complication just right there. But, But the reframing, so I know what that means, but say a little bit more about how you help people reframe their thoughts around money.
0: Sure. So reframing for me is when people really hold on to their mistakes, especially women. But I will tell you this, is that even the men who have come into my office with their significant others, or spouses, what's interesting is asking them what's important about something. And they have told me back. No one's ever asked me that. And I've actually had men break down into tears because all of a sudden this financial weight has been lifted off their shoulder. So part of reframing is realizing, okay, Everybody doesn't know this stuff. I'm not the only one that has questions about money and finance. And it's okay to ask questions. And it's okay to not be where you think you need to be. So, the reframing part for me also is that your financial situation right now, your relationship with money right now is just a point in time. And you can continue to look back at mistakes and hold on to that. Or you can say, today's my point in time. And now I'm going to take action to improve my relationship with money.
2: Hmm, that's so fascinating. You know, I just want to do a quick comment on uh, the gender differences around money. And I think one of the things when I am educating, training, you know, coaching financial advisors, obviously not you because you've got it all set, but for other folks that are still learning, one of the things I talk to them about is, you know, that we have this message that women don't know enough about finances. And so that is a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it also allows women to not know. Whereas the assumption that men know about finances is a lot of pressure, especially for men who don't know or have that money silence. So the idea of asking that question being powerful and really giving people permission, no matter what their gender is, because gender doesn't really influence what you know about money or your ability to to do this thing called money well, but there are definitely these different societal pressures.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree. And what you said about the gender part of it, the, the assumption, there's so many cultural assumptions about what people know or don't know simply because of gender. And it's such a misnomer. And I really, um, love that we get to highlight that because a lot of men do suffer in silence with this pressure Mm -hmm. and to have a place to go to talk about it and feel like, oh my gosh, like I have somebody helping me and it's not all on me to make all the right decisions is really important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So the men out there listening, I think they should also ask money to be their Valentine as well. Uh, We are with Jamie Fleming. She's a CFP. Uh, She owns her own financial firm, does a lot of great things that she'll tell us about uh, at the end of the podcast. But we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. And we're going to talk about her ideas about what are the first steps you can take and developing a healthy long-term relationship with your finances. So we'll be back in a minute. Do you work hard, accomplish a lot, but still struggle to ask for what you're worth? Maybe you're good with numbers and finance, but find conversations about fees and salaries especially tricky. Or maybe you wanna make peace with money, but despite your best efforts, you haven't been able to change your approach or build better habits that actually stick. Just something is standing in your way. If this is you, you can become a confident negotiator. I'm offering a masterclass in negotiation that will help you ask and get the compensation you deserve you want to go to breakingmoneysilence.com backslash negotiating hyphen masterclass and check out all the details. If you think you're a powerful woman who's ready to do some coaching with me in a group 101 and with an accountability partner, then definitely apply. And if you mention this podcast, I will give you 10% off the already reasonable fee for the course. I hope you will take advantage of this opportunity, and I look forward to working with you and getting to know you better and ultimately helping you become a confident negotiator. We are back with Jamie Fleming, a CFP, CEO of her own firm, and someone who does a lot of great work in the field of money psychology. And so Jamie and I were just talking about the fact that it's Valentine's Day and that wouldn't it be a great thing to ask your Valentine or ask money to be your Valentine. And so before the break, we were talking a little bit about gender differences and having a good relationship with money. And I want to switch gears a little bit and get really tactical and really concrete. So Jamie, if someone out there does decide to ask money to be his or her Valentine, uh, what's a good first step to take towards developing a good healthy long-term relationship with your finances?
0: Boy, that that's one of the best questions, really, because sometimes we get so focused on on the money piece of it, the actual money that we forget that really money's just a tool. So if we take a step back, I I think a first great step is to really clearly define your values around money. And I've taken thousands of students through my values pyramid exercise to help with this. And the best part is that it's simple and everyone can do it. And you simply ask yourself this one question, what's important about money to me? So you answer this using values though, like peace of mind, freedom, helping others, confidence, things of that nature versus goals like paying down debt or buying a house. So for example, once you answer the first question, you may say, what's important about money to me is the feeling of freedom. So you would write that down and then you would ask the question again using that answer. So you would ask yourself then, what's important about freedom to me? And then you'd write that answer down. Maybe your answer is feeling of security. And you would ask the question again. So you would keep going in this pyramid and stack these answers. And the first three or four answers are the easiest. And they're more of your general values. I recommend you ask the question at least seven times because when you get to the sixth time and the seventh time, these answers are a little bit more complex. The values are more complex, but these become your higher core values. This actually ends up becoming a really powerful tool in your money decisions because as you look at your values, it's much clearer to see when your money choices are in alignment with your values or not, when you have this visual available to you. Many times people will make money choices based on what they think society wants them to have, what they think might make them feel better. Maybe it's the really expensive car in the driveway, but they can't afford a house. If you have this values pyramid in front of you and you're making a a money decision, Right away, you can see, wait, that's not really in alignment with what I said was important to me. And it's much easier to make different money decisions. I
2: love that that, because we talk in the financial field about identifying values. And a lot of times people who haven't been through an exercise like that, and that sounds like a, a great one. I haven't heard of that one in particular. Uh, What they end up doing is they think, well, I don't really know what my values are. They haven't spent time unless Mm -hmm. you've been through a coaching program or something or worked with a coach like us. Uh, You haven't really spent that time. So that's such a great concrete exercise. Now, do you encourage people to keep those values like in their wallet or near where they pay bills or make financial decisions? Like how do they use them on a daily basis?
0: Yes, that's a great question. I usually recommend several places. The one place I don't recommend it is usually in the binder in which we created it because you may never see it again. So you <laughs> want to put it in all the places that you see it. And the interesting thing is have it by your computer, even have it you know, set up in places where you see it on a regular basis because we do take these things in subconsciously. And that will help us when we're out and about and maybe we don't have it. Having it on your phone is great. I have a client who has it as their their screensaver. So it's constantly on their mind. Mm -hmm. And it's a nice way to do it in the beginning, too, because it's a habit you have to create. So the more places you have it, the better. And then the nice thing is, is that when you're talking to another person, you're talking about money on the level of what's important, your value system versus people getting really uncomfortable talking about the dollars and cents.
2: Yeah, yeah. I always like to start with something that's uh, a little less threatening and a little bit easier (laughs) to chat about. I think that's a good way to go. And that's a great segue into the next question I wanted to ask, which is, if someone listening in is in a committed relationship and, you know, they decide... Um, to love money, but they're not sure their partner will come along for the ride. Like, why aren't you asking me to be the valentine? You're asking money to be your valentine? So how do you engage your partner in conversations about money and, and your desire to be financially confident? And, and especially if the other person hasn't drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak, isn't kind of where you were at. <laughs> yeah. This is always uh, the challenging part However,
0: I will say that there is a way you're always going to have to take that faith, that leap of faith, right? That the person's not going to be, oh my gosh, why are you asking me this? But the first time you do it will be the hardest time. And then after that, it gets easier. And the best way to do this is with a proactive approach, meaning the discussion isn't happening because of a current financial issue or mishap, right? Because then we get into... emotions around those things. But if you can simply take a proactive approach and say, hey, can we have a money monthly date night and just talk about different topics in and come from the perspective of, I want to feel better about my knowledge about money and I want to feel more confident. And there's some things that I want to focus on. Are you willing to have those discussions? And you can have topics, which I recommend to discuss that are just already preset. You already have a date on the calendar, you know, have a nice meal, even a glass of wine is fine. Don't get too carried away there because then, you know, it could go awry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But but if you have these topics in mind and and I have 10 that I recommend, then it really sets you up to have a a thoughtful discussion about different money areas without necessarily talking about well why did you spend money on this, you know, this month or that.
2: I love that because you know, once again, I think it's having success having these money conversations and and building on that success and later you can get into uh, more of the conflictual or the potentially conflictual conversations, but you have to kind of build up the muscle of being able to have this conversation. So Absolutely. just quickly, Jamie, what are the top three topics that you recommend people talk with their partners about?
0: Sure. So I, I think it's really important that we do talk about family influence, right? So how we were raised, whether we realize it or not does influence How we approach money. And one of the ways you can talk about some of these topics is you can ask your significant other, you know, what did you like or not like about the way your family handled money? And it makes it about the experience, right? And I think it's really important for people to understand where we came from so that we can understand, you know, why we may have made certain choices. So family influence, I think, is really important. Another one is having versus experiencing. And this is important for our partners to know, you know, most people know about the, the four love languages, right? Everyone should know what their partner's money language is. And so having versus experiencing, I actually have a Valentine's day example of a couple that was in my office, not to, um, not too long before Valentine's Day. And they were talking about, I was asking them what they usually do to celebrate Valentine's Day. And the husband usually gets two dozen roses. And I can tell his significant other wasn't really showing excitement for it. (laughs) And I thought that was really interesting. And, and I asked her, you know, how would she like to spend Valentine's Day? And she said, oh, gosh, you know, I would just love a, a picnic dinner with a bottle of wine watching the sunset. And he thought she didn't want him to spend money on her. But the reality is, is that she wanted an experience
2: oh, versus I love that. a thing. Yeah. And yeah. they
0: both had this revelation right there in my office. Each cost the same. So it had nothing to do with how much they were spending on Valentine's Day. But her love language wasn't the the roses. And as a matter of fact, it it stressed her out because they only last for a certain amount of time, where her experience with her husband would last forever. So knowing what's important to another person, the having versus experiencing, I think is really critical. And we can miss the boat, right? He was doing something really nice, but she wasn't, it just wasn't how she enjoys. How they spend their money. So that's right, really important, right. of course.
2: I know you're gonna give us one more topic, and I also know we're running tight on time, but I wanted sure. I just have to share this, Jamie. So my husband early in our relationship, uh, one time on Valentine's Day gave me a sock bouquet. And anybody who listens to this podcast knows <laughs> I'm a, I'm a skier and we're both skiers. And I remember getting this ski sock bouquet, and you know, this was a long I think we weren't even married yet, so 25, 30 years ago. And I remember thinking, Oh, oh, okay. Right. (laughs) And so early on in my relationship, I think I really wanted something a little bit more romantic, probably an experience, which he's great at. Flash forward to now, and maybe about five years ago, I realized that is one of the best gifts I've ever received. (laughs) Because I understand that my husband shows love through our experiences together, but also the functionality of things. So the socks were not only like this romantic gesture in his mind, they also were functional. I, For an anniversary gift, I've gotten a um, a carbon fork, which most of you aren't going to know what that is, for my bike, which, you know, you think, why? But he wanted it to be lighter. So when we had experiences, <laughs> I could keep up with him. So I think that that having versus experiencing or understanding what's beneath that is so important. So quickly, one more topic that people can start the conversation with, and then we'll find out a little bit more about how people can find out more about your work. Perfect.
0: I I think one of the topics that's really important is talking about money stress. You know, people, different people have different thresholds for financial stress for some people getting calls from creditors is a minor irritation for others. You know, the thought of carrying even the smallest credit card balance is enough to make their brain implode. So you want to know what your partner considers a problem uh, because we're all kind of tuned differently this way, so you can you can ask questions like, you know, what makes you worry about money, or would it make it easier if we created, you know, a joint account for joint expenses, or do you feel comfortable, you know, having an account that we can both control, things like that. So it, it's really important for us to know what triggers money stresses in our partners so we can make proactive choices to minimize those as much as possible.
2: I love that. So our time is out. We could continue this conversation until next Valentine's Day, (laughs) but alas, we need to end. So Jamie, tell the listeners a little bit more about where they can find you uh, and find out more about the cool work that you're doing.
0: Oh, absolutely. And this has been such a pleasure, by the way. Um, You can find out more about me, how we work with our clients at Fleming and Associates, LLC.com. And in that, on that site, you can even schedule a complimentary discovery session right from the website. So I would love to hear from you. I would love to work through uh, some of the the areas that are causing you grief. And uh, if I can be a proactive role in
2: that, I would love to. Excellent. Well, it has been a joy to break money silence with you, especially on Valentine's Day. So I hope everybody gets out there and thinks about asking money to be their Valentine. This episode is sponsored by Balance Wealth, an advisory firm that views you as more than a number. We know you deserve to partner with a team of professionals who care about you and your goals and empower you to make educated decisions about retirement. Your success is our success. And at Balanced Wealth, we will be with you every step of the way. To learn more, visit balancedwealth.com.
1: Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app